Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Apologies in advance for the background noise, but in case you listeners did not know, we are live all week long here at the Varsity Tennis Center in Ann Arbor as part of our coverage of the Oracle Pro Series event here to kick off the 2020 ATP Challenger season. Of course, just because we're doing covering some other pro tennis does not mean we want to leave you listeners high and dry. You listeners have been expecting us to continue our College Contender Series looking at the top 10 teams to end the 2019 men's dual match season rankings, previewing how their teams are going to look in 2020, interviewing and having conversations with the head coaches of those programs. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing today. And as you have learned, when doing these coaching interviews, I like to be joined by a co-host. He keeps me in check and asks the questions I sometimes forget to. Of course, you know him as the forefather of the College Tennis Ranks formula, predictions never far from the listed UTR and of course one of the many dames who now roots for the Liberty Flames. Chris Hallioris, always great to be with you in person. In particular, great to do this college tennis interview with you today. Ah, and great to be here as always. And uh, it, it's good to see you don't even need a cue sheet for the uh, intro anymore, Alex. That's one of those few things I have memorized. It's like my parents' cell phone numbers, nine one one. And then your intro, Chris. Um, it's one of those sure things in my life I know I'm going to turn to each and every week. But yeah, Chris, I know we've had the pleasure to be on the play-by-play for Livestream.com backslash HP to call this challenger. Hopefully you listeners have checked that out. If you haven't, go check out our social media to follow the links. Uh, again, Livestream.com backslash ATP. We're doing all of the center court matches. Uh, but we do have some other things to talk about. And in fact, that's what I want to do in this intro. Talk about our guest today on the Cracked Interviews podcast. Sticking with the college tennis team, we are out now on preseason rank number two team in the 29, uh, 2020 rankings. That, of course, the defending men's indoor finalist, defending NCAA men's tennis finalist, Wake Forest team and coach and Wake Forest men's head tennis head coach Tony Bresky is who we talked to today. Uh, even before we get into the specifics, again, I keep reiterating this. Throw Tony Bresky right up up there on top of the list with the Tuckers, the Sheltons, the Bolins, the Rodides, the Sam Pauls of the world. These, you know, top-notch, top-flight head coaches at these big D1 programs, they're captivating. I, I loved them. I mean, Tony Bresky might have made the best joke in Cracked Interviews history when he takes a shot at Coach Bolin later on in this show. Yeah, that was definitely, uh, I mean, I ho- hopefully most of the listeners get it, and uh, and, and it was, uh, but it was it was out of love than more than spite. Yes, yes, it was clearly just a joke, but but a very very well timed and and placed joke at that. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, he's. I mean, again, like most of these guys have been right. I mean, very fun interview. That you know, these guys are not dull, boring guys. He he, you know, he's he's fun to talk to. He gives us a lot, and uh, you know, and and tell some tell some good stories. The thing you can tell most with Coach Bresky. Uh, not to say that any of the other coaches we've talked to don't have this trait, but, I mean, they're in preseason. You can just tell he's ready to play. Like, he just wants to compete more than anything else. He, he loves developing the guys. He loves doing all of these things with his team. But this is a man who, first and foremost, wants to be on a tennis court winning. And that really translates throughout this episode. And we talk about, you know, the run he's been on these last few years, building this Wake Forest team to where it's now arguably a top five, maybe even above that program in the country. We talk about what it's like when you lose players as good as Petros Risokos and, you know, potentially, you know, the Skander Mansouris, Noah Rubens. He's lost over the past couple of years, how you replace them and keep things culturally and results-wise still going as strongly as they are. And when you look, when he looks at the 2020 roster, uh, 
you know, they bring back a lot of voices, but he describes it as a young team because you lose a Petros, you lose potentially a Borna Gojo, though that's a, you know, fun topic that we explore here in this, and I think you listeners, maybe if you're not a fan, you're not going to like the answer, but if you're a fan of just good college tennis overall, you're going to like the direction of that conversation, but it seems like Coach Bresky looks as this team, rebuilding would be maybe too strong of a word, but a reloading year for his Demon Deacons. Yeah, I mean, he. I mean, he's no dummy. He knows he's losing Petros. You lose Petros at a minimum, no matter what. At the end, he takes you know, Petros over Stevie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not. Uh, you're you're not exactly getting stronger when you lose someone like that. So, uh, so yeah, it's a it, it's a little it's a little you know reloading, if you will. But uh, at the same time, you know, he's brought brought a couple couple talented young guys in. He's got a slew of guys on the on the roster as we we kind of joke about there and between he and Grant Chen at SMU both fielding you know rosters where they could probably play three dual matches at the same time and uh and it's a you know it's it's a it's going to be a a good a good year for him to see what he's got and and build towards you know the next few years and again listeners we apologize for the background noise here at the VTC as they claim they clearly like to boogie to some good music but with that being said, yeah, as you mentioned, Coach Bresky, a lot of good things to say. We are also one inch closer to having coaches play out a point to determine who serves on which courts. So you'll see what I mean when you listen to this interview. But with that in mind, we hope you enjoy our conversation with the one and only Wake Forest men's tennis head coach, Tony Bresky. Joining us now on the Cracked Interviews podcast, whether from his time as a UVA assistant or as the head coach at Wake Forest and Cornell, today's Cracked Interviews guest has oh so many college tennis stories to tell. With multiple conference and national titles to his name, his coaching successes have come in many layers. Of course, those results come a lot easier when you have guys like Samdev, Borna, Skander, and Petros as your players. And since a single glance behind his sunglasses leaves even the strongest of people weakened, it is our pleasure to be joined via phone call today by head coach Tony Bresky of the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Coach, welcome back to the Cracked Interviews podcast. Happy New Year to you. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Excellent intro. Appreciate it. No, I had to work in the sunglasses somehow. That was the most difficult part. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm wearing them right now. We're in sunny Florida doing a little... Preseason training camp, and uh, yeah, it's beautiful. And so the sunglasses are needed. Of course, and it wouldn't be, you know, a Wake Forest practice without you in those. And you guys are already excited to be kicking off the 2020 dual match season? Yeah, we're excited. We get going uh, next weekend with a doubleheader. And so we're just in Florida here for about uh, six, seven day training camp and get back tomorrow and uh, back to a little indoor tennis, get ready for the indoor season. Indoors in Florida seems a little just oxymoronic. Oh, no, no. We're outdoors in Florida. So we'll be getting back tomorrow to get, get going with the indoors. So, no, no. Outdoors in Florida, working on the suntan, a uh, little conditioning, you know, a couple do two-a-days, and, yeah, getting the boys ready for the season. 
Oh, that's got to be really nice. And I know for you guys, it's obviously you bring back a big roster, a lot of people who had experience from last year, but you go into the season losing one of maybe the best players of the past four years, arguably the best in Petros Frisokos. Uh, you obviously also, it doesn't seem like Bourne is going to be coming back, although maybe you can break some news here on the podcast. How has that transition for your team been this offseason when you lose a guy who has meant as much to the program as Petros has? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know you guys had Petros on a couple times. He's just an uh, outstanding character, great guy, great representative for college tennis in our, our program at Wake Forest. Uh, you know, there's no replacing a guy like that. We're going to miss him. Um, he's an outstanding player, outstanding leader for us, and obviously we're hopeful that he's going to do some great things on the Pro Tour, and, and uh, you know, that's how college sports works. So time to, time to move on and, and rebuild, and, uh, you know, new guys will have some new opportunities here. Yeah, and you talk about those new guys. You get into the fall. Uh, obviously, uh, you have uh, you know a bunch of guys playing throughout the throughout the season. When you're working in a new roster, how do you and your coaching staff approach the fall? You know, working, making sure guys get reps as long as well as balancing looking for lineup decisions later on uh, as the dual match season comes. Yeah, for sure. The you know the top lineup decisions are tough. I think you gotta. You got a lot of guys who are very capable, you know, some guys with a little bit more experience than others, some guys who have a little bit more, you know, international ITF safe futures experience than others. So those are tough decisions. Um, you know, we brought in several new guys and some really, really talented guys. Got a couple of the new guys with us right now in our training camp and, you know, excited to get to work with those guys, excited to kind of see what they can do throughout the course of the year. You know, hopefully, you know, as as is the case most of the time with new guys, they're going to play better tennis as the year wears on and they get to know us a little bit better and they feel a little bit more comfortable. So, you know, try to incorporate them as best we can to start the year here. So, so Coach, I know, you know, we've seen some of the uh, some of the, the recruits you've got coming in, but I have to be honest, as, as some of us go through and, you know, we, we do our, our crack of research, if you will, which is uh, scanning your website. I uh, <laughs> I happen to notice that, you know, that body's not listed on the roster. Is that, is, is there, you know, is he going to be with the uh, team in the spring here? Taha's with us right now. Our sports info just has a little work to do. So uh, they, uh, we've had a little, little issue with our sports info. You know, we hired a new head of sports info. So Taha and Henry Squire are uh, new January editions. They're both with us right now. And uh, you know, okay. excited to have them here. Yeah. So Dan's gone, huh? Dan's gone. Yeah. Dan actually Chicago working at UIC so he's gone um you know I think we just we got a really good good new person in, pl- in place and Grace uh, I actually just met with her last week but you know it's very new and so you know she's getting to it so yeah Taha's got I mean he's a he's I would expect that you're you're thinking that he's going to be a good impact player for you coming in uh, as a freshman in addition to all of the the experience returners you've got yeah, for sure. I mean, Taha, you know, obviously top 1,000 HP and whatever it was, top 30 ITF, you know, quarters of quarters of French and around a 16 and Wimby. So obviously he has some great experience. And, and Henry, obviously number one German uh, coming out of Germany, which, you know, usually um, is a sign of great things. Australian Open doubles finalist, you know, so he's an excellent doubles player. And, and yeah, we're looking for some big things for both those guys. Coach, I noticed something throughout the trend of your roster, and it's a credit to your ability to go outside of America and recruit. But you talk about a guy in Saha from Canada. Uh, you talk about as well um, Henry Squire coming from Germany, Petros from and Skander coming from other places as well. You've had so much success dipping into the international pool of players, and you know for. 
uh, our college tennis fans out there. Can you explain why that's been an approach for you and, you know, how that's allowed you to have success? Yeah, I mean, I think it's part of it's kind of a, a function of where you are as a coach. You know, obviously with Wake Forest, small, small private school, you know, I don't think we have the luxury as much of doesn't give us as much of an advantage recruiting in-state, say. So, you know, you kind of, um, you know, you search the whole country, search America over. If you look at where our U.S. players are from, it's pretty funny because they're from all over the place as well. You know, we got guys from California and Florida and New York, and then you look at kind of where we are internationally. And, again, we're kind of all over the place, you know, or like you said, Germany and Canada and and, and Cyprus and, and Montenegro and stuff like that. So, you know, we're really all over India you know, so it's, I think we just try to hone in on guys that we feel like are going to fit into our philosophy, you know, kind of what myself and Chris kind of look for in our players and, you know, where their passion lies. And, and uh, you know, tennis is obviously such a global sport that I think you're, you know, you have to, you have to be willing to look at the world and, you know, see what best players and best fits for your team will come from. I always say, coach, you've done the best at planning just great trips for yourself just the excuse to go visit Petros I'm like I'm, I'm in uh sign me up for that but yeah and I think it speaks to you know the success you guys have had as a culture throughout your time at Wake Forest I think two out of the past three years you've been the number one seed heading into NCAAs obviously these past two years you guys make the final at this point, given you know the streak of success you have had, you've been in a culture such as a UVA where you guys weren't losing in the ACC for all of those years. You're winning indoors, making quarterfinals, semifinals at the NCAA tournament. Would you say that the bar has now been raised at your program to where you know competing for conference titles, making deep runs in the NCAA tournament, that's no longer you know the goal but the expectation? Well, I, I certainly hope so. You know, I think that's well said by you. I think that that is our expectation. You know, I think we want to, it's like you said, I think you losing Petros, you know, is, is, is tough. I mean, great player, great leader, but uh, you know, I think as you're out there recruiting and the kind of kids you're recruiting with their pedigree, you know, I think that's kind of what you're, what you're selling to them and where you hopefully want the program to be, you know, competing for ACC titles, national indoor titles, NCAA titles, um, you know, and then ideally producing guys that are going to try to play on the HP tour one day. So that's, that's really the goals of our program. And hopefully we'll be able to continue that this year. Yeah, And you look at the roster you bring back, we've talked about some of the guys already, but in particular, you know, just doing the match calculus, right? You lose a guy in Petros who went 23 and three in the dual match season last year in Julian uh, Zablinski, you lose a guy who was 12 and three, Gojo 13 and four. As you look through the lineup uh, this and the results you've seen this fall, which guys on your team have you seen step up ready to fill that gap? Because just on surface level, that's a lot of wins to replace. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a lot of wins to replace, a lot of experience to replace. You know, I think it, we obviously have quite a young group of guys here with uh, – you know, only a couple seniors on the roster. So, you know, you bring back Barr, who had a nice run at NCAAs, you know, made the round of 16 and, and unfortunately got a little injured there and wasn't able to finish out his run. But, you know, he's had an outstanding career for us so far going into his junior year here. I think he's lost five dual matches in two years. So that's that's pretty outstanding. 
you know, and then we had a lot of a lot of depth and a lot of kind of younger guys there with Melios and Rizzi and Sid and you know Nava's healthy now and Yuval and you know added a lot of great new guys and obviously Henry and Taha and some new other freshmen and uh, you know Rob Maceg and Matt Thompson. So you know we're excited. We're looking forward to seeing what the guys can do and you know I think they're ready to roll and we've had a great great training camp here and uh, you know boys are boys are pumped and you know we'll see what they can do. So it is so coach, I, I know you, you didn't really answer and I don't know if you want to, but it, is it a foregone conclusion that, that Bourne is gone or is it a possibility that he could play some this year? Well, it's certainly a possibility. So, so that's a good question to kind of here next week or two. Okay. So, so I assume that obviously that means he's still NCA eligible, but so I want to go back a uh, back a year. Uh, and ask you about something from last year because I think it was my understanding that right around indoors time, I believe, I, I think you you got clearance for Ian Dempster to come yeah. back and play, and and I thought we were going to see him. I even got came on one of our pods and said we're going to see Ian Dempster playing doubles, right? Uh, and didn't. So yeah, you well, you were spot on. So Ian, man, we we had to do kind of a, got Ian a six year of eligibility there, and we kind of always. Felt like they had a good chance, but as these appeals go, it was taking quite a long time, taking quite a long time. And we finally actually got him cleared the week before National Indoors. And uh, fun, funny story, I'll, I'll put this one out there for Ian. Uh, he had a – indoors was the same weekend as Valentine's Day, and he had a, a Valentine's Day weekend playing with his girlfriend. So he wasn't quite able to get out of that to go to indoors. So we didn't, we didn't get to see him at indoors. Um, you know, and we were very hopeful that he was going to play with us the rest of the season. That was kind of the plan. He was long story short, he was in a master's program, maybe wasn't, um, you know, doing as much as he probably should have been there academically, because I don't know if he ever thought he was going to get cleared and, you know, things didn't go our way from an academic standpoint. And unfortunately there was, uh, no Ian the rest of the way. So he was, uh, NCAA eligible, but not, uh, Wake Forest eligible. I guess. I was going to say six years in, you're what, 24-ish if you're him. At that point, having a girlfriend matters. So you get it. That, that, yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll go with no comment on that one. Uh, I have a little little different relationship with my wife. But, uh, yeah, he's, I think he's very happy with his girlfriend. And he's doing, you know, he's out in L.A. right now with uh, Nava and playing some doubles and trying to make it as a pro doubles player. And, you know, really hoping he's going to have a breakout year this year. Oh, of course, and since we're on the topic of former pro Wake Forest players, you mentioned Petros earlier, but just want to throw this out here now. When you see a guy like Skander Mansuri go out there and have the success he's had, born of Petros as well, Ian trying to make it in doubles, uh, what does that say about your you know program that you're producing these pro players? And also, in, I want, I'm curious, what do you think it says about the level of college tennis at this point that a guy like Skander, who is senior years playing three singles, can climb into that top 600 range singles-wise? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start with that, with you know what college tennis does for guys. Obviously, I'm a big advocate for guys going to college, unless obviously you're at a certain level, you know, unless – you know, unless maybe you've made second round of U.S. Open or something like that. Um, you know, if you're if you're kind of that kind of level, now I'm not that was a little dig at Bowen. You don't know who's got Jim coming gonna, in. I, no, no. We were all thinking it. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm kidding. But, you know, for, for the most part, what I would say is, you know, you can see a guy like Jensen who is going to come to college tennis. You look at his level where he's at. I mean, he's what a great representative of college tennis that he's going to be. And, you know, I think it goes to show a lot of the kids out there that are, 
you know, whatever they are, five or 10 or 15 ITF or even 30 or 40 ITF. And they're thinking, man, I'm going to go pro. Well, I think it's like, you know what, why don't you go see how you do at the challenger level, you know, and that gives you a good idea because I think we have, you know, if you look at it, if you're probably a top 10 college player, you're, you're good enough to compete at the challenger level. And if you're, you know, playing at the challenger level, you're maybe making money, you know? So it's kind of the, the bare minimum of where you need to be. Otherwise, I think college tennis has a lot to offer for you. You know, it gives you time to mature and grow and get better and, you know, get some school under your belt and, you know, work with some great coaches. Um, as far as our program goes, yeah, I'm obviously very excited as, as to what those guys have already done and what I think they're going to do. You know, if you look at Borna, who's whatever he is, 270 right now, just played Davis Cup for Croatia, had a good match across on you know, Petros has no no points to defend for the first half of the year. Scanner's already won like seven or eight pro events. And, you know, I'm really hoping he's going to make a breakthrough as well. And, and even even Ian, you know, who I think has a chance to make it as a doubles player. You know, I think that's really what we're looking for for our guys and our recruits. And I think we've done a great job with our player development. You, you know, you kind of see where those guys were coming in, you know, and where they are going out. So, um, you know, hopefully that's something that we're able to sell to the recruits that we, we talk to. Yeah, and I should say, Chris and I are in Ann Arbor this week for the Challenger. We'll get to see another one of your guys, Noah Rubin, in action, uh, playing his first round either now or later today. Uh, yeah, it, it is, you know, you mentioned player development. That's how I want to transition to our next topic, because for your team last year, you, you know, you make the indoor finals, you, you make the NCAA finals, obviously a spectacular season. But if you had an Achilles heel for a team with that much success, it would be how reliant you were probably on your top three in Barr, who went 25 and two, Petros again, 23 and three, and Borna, who went 13 and four. And, you know, I, I don't want to discredit any of the guys. Sid Banthia was great at six singles down the home stretch, but it felt like a lot of the time last year, you guys would either find yourself down a doubles point, as you did uh, against Ohio State in that final, or just down an early deficit. And I'm curious for you, you look at the guys like Milios, you look at the guys like Yuval, uh, how have they approached this past offseason now with a full dual match season under their belts? How has their development come along? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I guess uh, that's a good question. You know, time will tell this year because we're going to need a lot of those guys and they're going to get a lot of playing time. And, you know, we'll see what they can do. And obviously, I think as a freshman or a young guy, you know, if you look at kind of Saban Eval, who was a sophomore, Malio's freshman, Rizzi, who was a sophomore, you know, January sophomore from the year before, Sid, who was a January freshman, you know, it takes time for those guys. And, you know, you kind of look at those guys with, you know, maybe Barr being the exception, you know, but because he was a sophomore, but he'd still at least been here two full years and played the full year before that, you know, even for Barr who was obviously older because the army coming in, you know, took him a little while to get acclimated when he first came in the fall. You know, you look at his results, his first year in the fall, they weren't, uh, they weren't fantastic, you know? So college tennis is different from that aspect. You know, I think a lot of coaches have good scouting reports. They know the players, it's a different level of intensity, kind of get, have to get used to the no ad, the, the no lat. So it takes a little bit, bit of time and I'm hoping those guys have adjusted to that. So, coaches, as you then start looking towards this season, and we're obviously we're about to kick the dual match off, and you're going to get your, uh, you know, you'll you'll have the ITA kickoff and 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 indoors coming up. But what uh, I mean, have have you met with the guys really and kind of and set goals for for them uh, for for the season? Are they looking that far ahead, or or do you have so many new guys filling in? Is are they more? more looking really to see kind of establish what the team's going to look like here. What's, what's the outlook early on in the, in the fall, in the dual season? 
No, I mean, I think, look, we, you know, we'll find out pretty quick, but we have a, we have a pretty tough kickoff weekend. I think with three really good teams in East Tennessee state, Kentucky and Penn state coming in. So, you know, we'll have to be ready for that. Um, you know, I think as far as the goals go, I think hopefully they, they remain the same for guys in our program and they have an understanding of that. You know, it's like we talked about trying to compete for NCAA national indoor and NCAA titles and ACC titles regular season and, and conference, you know, and I think if you're, able to accomplish one of those goals then you're probably pretty close to accomplishing all the others you know so it's um you know I, they go hand in hand obviously you know a lot of individual player development they have their individual goals as well that we talked to them about but that's that's really where we are at this point of the year yeah you talk about that schedule early on and the way you guys have done it. and this seems to be a theme of a lot of the top programs is challenging your team early on I know I think even before the national indoors a place you guys expect to be in the final 16 you're traveling to Baylor Virginia's coming home to you guys why is that the way you've structured your schedule is it to test your guys early do you like the the rhythm of that in the uh, in the early schedule yeah, I, I do. I mean, I, you know, I kind of tell our guys, we, we don't really, we don't want to shy away from the competition. You know, I think you want to, you want to play the best teams in the country and test yourself. You know, I think we, you said, I think we're at Baylor, Virginia comes to us. We're have central Florida coming our way. We're, we're at Oklahoma state at some point at USC or at Arizona state. That's kind of our non-conference schedule. Um, you know, so we get excited about that. You know, we want to play the best teams. I think that's the best way for our guys to, to develop. You know, I think if you want to be a great competitor, you want to be a champion, you can't really fear losing. So I think it's, uh, you know, the way I set our schedule up non-conference. And then obviously we're very lucky in the ACC to play in that conference, which, you know, I think is the best conference in the country right now. And, uh, you know, we'll get challenged every weekend in the ACC. You talk about that conference. Uh, I mean, if if Gojo's coming back, this is a whole new conversation. But obviously, you have a UNC team who guys knocked off four three in the semifinals, bringing everyone back, uh, minus Boyden, but plus Ranky. Uh, you have a Virginia team that's going to lose Nakashima, but they're still coming back. You know, Coach Pedroso has them firing again. NC State's very good. Notre Dame's very good. Uh, how do you see you got you guys stacking up in the ACC this year? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great conference. All those teams you mentioned, you know, Florida State, Miami, um, Georgia Tech, I mean, all, all really good teams. Duke's going to have a really good team this year. So, you know, you have to bring it every week. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to stay. You know, I think it's it's a long ways away. You have to you have to stay healthy. You have to be playing your best tennis. You have to see how you transition to outdoor tennis. Um, you know, like I said, our, our goals remain the same. You know, we're going to try to compete for an ACC title regular season conference. You know, that's obviously where where we hope our program is. That's what we're going to try to do. Um, you know, and you're going to have a lot of battles on your hand with those teams. You go on the road in the ACC, it's very difficult. You know, it's a, it's a wide side conference. You know, you go all the way up to Boston College and Notre Dame where – you know, most of the time you're going to play indoors and then in Florida state Miami where, you know, you have to play outdoors almost. And then somewhere in the middle where we are. So, you know, with rain and stuff. So you have to be good at playing indoors. You have to be good at playing outdoors. You have to be great at adjusting and, you know, hopefully you have a lot of depth because inevitably you're going to have some injuries and, you know, see how the doubles goes. And it's, it's a long year. So ACC is a long way away. And we're going to kind of use our preseason here to get ready for that. 
you talk about the depth and I looking through your roster I mean the, the roster page is one of the bigger ones I've seen in college tennis and I'm curious for you because it is a long season there are going to be injuries but you, you know balancing you guys are playing the best teams all the time with keeping players fresh making sure they don't burn out at some point during the dual match season how do you and your coaching staff maintain that balance for the players yeah for sure it's not easy I mean I think it comes with some experience you know having done this for a while I think it's having great relationships with your players and you know kind of talking to them a lot kind of figuring out how their bodies are feeling how their brains are feeling how they're doing in school how they're doing socially you know I think that all all plays a big role in how they're playing um you know how they feel about their games if they need a little bit more individual time if they if they don't if they need a little rest time so I think it's a puzzle and it's unique for each guy and that's the great part about college tennis as a college coach you know is I think you can everyone every coach has a different way of doing it I think we have a, a little bit more of a individual approach and you know kind of put the team together but uh you know it's, it's certainly not easy and that's the challenge that it presents through the course of the year so yeah, so you you bring up some time aspects coach and we, we've talked to a, a couple of couple of the coaches and and it seems to be a common theme and I'm wondering to, to get your take on it is you know with NCAA regulations, right? You've got certain periods where you've got eight hour weeks and periods where you've got 20 hour weeks, but you know, and a lot of these kids, if if their aspirations really are to go pro, if you're training to be a professional tennis player, right? You have no limitations and they may want to put more time in. So what, I mean, what are your, how does that, you know, go for you in the recruiting process and, and what are your feelings on is, is that something that you, you really think they should be taking a look at to, um, to give the, the kids, if it's their choice, uh, to be able to spend more time playing? Well, I would love that. It's not it's not going to happen. <laughs> so I think uh, I think the reality is we are where we are. Um, not not a huge fan of the eight-hour weeks, but, but again, that's not going to change. You know, I think if anything, it's going to go the, the opposite way. Um, you know, I think as a coach, you have to do a great job of, um, you know, maximizing that the, the time you have. You know, it's like you said, I think, if you have some guys that like we have that that want to play pro tennis, you have to get a little creative with, you know, other options for them and how they can kind of work around the rules sometimes and stand within the rules. Obviously, as coaches, we can't go over that, but there's nothing stopping the guys from from doing extra. So you know, you kind of have to have you kind of have to make sure that you have other guys that are on the same page as them that are willing to work with them and they have other resources that they can work with. But uh, yeah, that's always a challenge, you know, kind of figuring out. Um, you know, what's important for each guy and how much time to spend on court with them. And, you know, sometimes how, how not spend time on court with them. So, well, in the spirit, I was going to say in the spirit of rule changes, uh, you guys got to host a quarterfinal or a round of 16 match last year. Uh, that's obviously different from when they were playing the round of 16 all at one side. It was a frisky match against Oklahoma, probably enjoyed having that at home. But what did you think of that change coach? Yeah, it's it's a tough one. I mean, I think it makes sense why we've done it. Obviously, I think minimizing the teams at the final site, kind of um, shortening up that format, trying to get that a little bit more on TV and not having six, well, 32 teams at the same site and having nine a.m. matches, stuff like that is great. I think from a promotion standpoint, it's good because teams at home are going to be able to throw out the matches more. I think from a competitive standpoint, it's tough. You know, I think 
uh, I can sit here and say, oh, man, I really like it. And hopefully we're going to be top eight every year. You know, we can host. But I think it's tough if you're nine in the country, ten in the country, and you have to go on the road somewhere. Somewhere it's a pretty significant competitive disadvantage. So that's just something you're going to have to deal with. Um, you know, and obviously a good motivator to try to kind of try to finish top eight in the country there. So, so coach with the big roster this year, how much, uh, how much of a chance have you had to kind of try different doubles to, I mean, you've got so many choices now. Uh, what, what have you done as far as figuring out that doubles lineup, uh, you know, cause you're going to get going right away here. So yeah, had an opportunity to, to, you know, try a lot of different pairings and are, do you think you've got that figured out? Or are you still in the boat where no, we're going to be trying a lot of different pairings? Uh, I, I think it's uh, I think it's trial by error to start the year here. You know, I think obviously with getting the new guys in, in January, if you have two or three new guys coming in in January that you think have a chance of playing your doubles doubles lineup, it's uh, it's not easy. So obviously with you know losing Petros from last year, who was in there, Julian, who was kind of in and out. You know, you're going to have to find some new guys to step up. It, it's nice to have Nava healthy and add the new guys in the lineup. And you know, you kind of have to figure out pairings and combos, guys who gel together. You know, guys who understand doubles guys who want to play doubles are excited to play doubles so that's certainly the challenge to start the year here you know i really think you and, and grant chen should have hooked up for a hidden duel because you're probably the only <laughs> team i can think of that could probably go like 15 deep for sure for sure so <laughs> I, I know grant likes his numbers too so you know we, we can play we can play two maybe three dual matches at the same time <laughs> exactly <laughs> And you mentioned the no-ad scoring coach, and there are also now rules of choosing to finish the matches or not finish the matches before you start. Do you like to play, you know, even past the completion, let's say one of the team's clinches, do you like all of your guys finishing the match just to get those reps in? I do. I, You know, I personally do. I think there's always times where maybe, you know, there's a reason to not finish a match if a guy is maybe beat up or you have to play the next day but for the most part i like to have my guys finish you know that's a rule we have in acc where we finish out our matches and you know i think it's gives the guys a chance to finish their matches gives the guys a chance to see where they are you know i think the results can sometimes be a little misleading because once a team match is finished you know some guys relax some guys don't take it as seriously but i still think it it leaves it in their hands which which i enjoy having them do yeah i agree what do you think about the same in doubles yeah, I mean, I think the doubles, doubles, you're probably better off just clinching it. I mean, you get to the point where you're already, it's such a such a toss-up with a set of no ad. I think, you know, once the doubles point is clinched, I think, you know, with the crowds and kind of, you don't want people sticking around. I mean, it, it obviously hurts guys from a making NCAs standpoint, but I think with the short break in between and trying to shorten the matchup, it makes sense to kind of stop the doubles. Yeah, I, I mean, from a fan perspective, you know, now that it's no ad, the matches aren't as long. But back when it was you're playing out everything, those matches could get to three, four hours if you just have a grind at six singles. But uh, that being said, you know, it's really high. It's highly competitive tennis. I would watch every match of a UVA Wake Forest battle uh, every time because that's how good the tennis is going to be. Uh, and coach, uh, I do want to get to our rapid fire segment to end. But last question uh, to you on the 2020 season. You know, we've kind of alluded to it already. Your goals for the year, but with this roster, it's sort of a transition year. Although, again, if you get Gojo back, maybe it's win now time. Uh, as you look out towards the 2020 season, what do you hope the Wake Forest fans see from your team? Yeah, I, I hope they. I hope our fans see you know a lot of what we've had in the past. You know, guys that I play with passion and energy. You know, guys that are 
um, amazing within our community, you know, academically as well. Represent Wake Forest with 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 class and and passion and fight hard. Hopefully, from a result standpoint, we'll we'll also see a little of what we have in the past. <laughs> yeah, I mean, certainly t- college tennis has been a better place with this Wake Forest team over the past couple of years. But with that in mind, uh, I want to do one last thing with you, and we've had you on the show before, so we're going to change up our rapid fire this year. I know we've already started the new decade, but at Crack Rackets, we're doing our college tennis best of the decade podcast uh, in, I think, this weekend. Uh, so we're talking about that. And then we have some fun proposed changes to college tennis that I would love to hear your thoughts on Coach Bresky. So that sounds good to you sounds good let's hear it all right west off give me a rapid fire sound effect please all right let's start with the proposed changes and this is one i'm really harping on i think the coin toss is the most overrated part of college tennis i think you should be competing from the moment you step on the court so i have two options for you coach a we do rock paper scissors on all six courts so i want you guys in the meeting room saying look baylor teams throw paper 66 percent of the times be ready with scissors that's one option option two at the start of the match the two head coaches play a drop and hit point the winner of that point gets to decide the serving arrangements on all of the courts um i i'm i'm all for option two i i love my short courts small court games with touch so i'll go with that one (laughs) Oh, coach! Maybe maybe a little maybe a little buck cap if you know what that game is. My favorite. I have to follow this up. Then we have to figure out a way to make this happen because when we had Coach Pedroso on, he said specifically, "I'm sure that if you ask Tony, he would do it." And I'm so down for him for a, a start of match this way. And I'm thinking, I don't care what the coin flip says from the ITA. You guys need to do it, and then all your guys after that can defer the coin toss to make it follow whatever your the result is. Fair, fair enough. Andres is always game to think outside the box, so maybe we'll do it for our uh, non-conference match this year. All right. Yeah, I love it. At the very least, get the teams on the sideline, a little reversal of fortune. Maybe you throw in a changeover just to let them do some coaching. Just the comedic values. Hey, man, with the way we played doubles last year, I might be willing to do it for the doubles point. <laughs> no, I like that. Uh, no, that's that's great. Um, all right, we'll do another change for you, I guess, slightly more serious from a viewing perspective and maybe from a coaching perspective as well. It gets frustrating for me if it's like the last two matches on are court one and court six. And I know logistically this may be difficult, but the idea of just moving the players next to each other so that the fans, the coaches, we're all in one place as the match finishes. Yeah, good idea. From a fan's perspective, I'd be all for that. <laughs> I'm guessing that's, yeah, there is something to, I mean, do the courts at Wake Forest 6 doesn't play that different than court 1, does it? No, no, no. All our courts play the same. I mean, we're obviously in a bit of a different boat than I guess some some places. You know, we have the ATP events. So our courts get resurfaced every year, and they're, they're all about the same. So there's no difference there. You know, I think, man, I, I'm pretty superstitious, actually. So, you know, I think if we were you know, winning a match, I may not want to do that, but I think uh, reasonably when I have time to think about it, it makes sense. <laughs> oh, I'm glad to hear it. All right, that works for me. Well, then, on the or Chris, any changes from you? No, I'm good, Al. All right, then, on the best of the decade topic, and Coach, you've coached, I would argue, that 2018 Wake Forest team. You swept the national indoors. You swept the NCAAs. You had two players reach the NCAA singles final. You could argue, you know, one of, if not the best team of the decade. But, again, you have been here for all 10 years of the 2010s. 
your thoughts on the best team from the men's college tennis uh, 2010s range. Well, I, you know, I think it'd be tough for me to go against our team there. You know, I think <laughs> that, 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 that's a tough one. That's a tough one for, for me there. But I think, you know, if you look at, obviously, it, it's funny how that year evolved and, you know, you kind of set goals as you progress and, you know, you kind of start with the indoors and then you go ACC regular season, ACC team, and then NCAs and, you know, just one thing kind of led to another. And I don't know. I think I, looking back at it, you know, I look back to last year and, you know, maybe how beat up and how tired our guys were. I think maybe that was a culmination from the year before as well, but, you know, heading into the NCAA individual tournament, if you look at having to play round of 16 on and then having two guys in the NCAA final, I, I don't know. I'll be interested to see how long it'll be before that happens again. So on the topic, I get why you're with Wake, but I'm going to throw some other teams out there. You can just let me know your thoughts. Uh, there are obviously two Steve Johnson teams, maybe three from this decade. And, you know, the one that comes to mind of him, Sarmiento, Daniel Wynn, Emilio Gomez, Roberto Quiroz, Yannick Hanifman, those are six pros right there. Uh, and so, yeah, that's a really good team. The team I will stand by until the end, and you had just left UVA before this season, but you know this team well. The 2011 UVA Cavaliers, they lost in the NCAA final, but they were undefeated to that point. Shabazz, Damajan, Sanam Singh, Jameer Jenkins as a top four. That's that's nuts. Like, to me, I know they didn't win it, but that's a really good team. That's a really good team. I mean, I look, I it's, it's an opinion. Best team I think I've ever seen at UVA, and this is biased, was a team that didn't win it was when we had Somdev at one, Teddy Angelinos at six. You know, Trent was playing two, Inglot was three, Shabazz, Sanam, four, five. You know, you got six guys. I mean, Angelinos went on to be top, I don't know, 350 or something like that, and he was playing six. And obviously, Dom and Trent have both been top 25 in doubles. And, you know, that team was unbelievable and unfortunately wasn't able to get it done. But, uh, you know, that's that's obviously also a biased opinion. No, I'm with you on that one. And we called a Trent Huey doubles match last night on the play-by-play. Might have been, in my opinion, the best college doubles player of the 21st century. And there have been some really good ones. Guys, guys got some skills. That was one guy I did not enjoy playing in the short court games. <laughs> <laughs> the lefties just throwing you slices. Yeah, he hit this high backhand volley, like cross-court drop shot last night. It was beautiful. Um, but all right, so with that in mind, as great, I'll throw you in. I think I know your answer, but last one. Petros or Stevie, one match on the line. Who you taking? Well, it's hard to argue against a guy that didn't lose at all his last two years. But <laughs> obviously, obviously, I'm biased, so I'm going to have to go with my boy. Yeah, if I threw Somdev in there, I think you, ju- I'd just break you. Yeah, I mean, you toss toss Sami and Gojo in there. We'll just call it a three way tie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Well, Coach Bresky, thank you so much for taking the time to come back on the Cracked Interviews podcast. Enjoy Florida. Get a little sun, and good luck to you and your team as you prepare for the 2020 season. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. Enjoy the challenger. Oh, of course. Take care, Coach. Thanks, Coach. Go no on today. <laughs> of course, and go Deeks, right? That's right. Go Deeks. See you guys. <laughs> Have a good one. You too. Bye.
Hope you enjoyed Chris and my conversation with the one and only Tony Bresky of Wake Forest. Again, we want to thank Coach Bresky and all of the coaches thus far who have taken the time to chat with Chris and I, entertain our sometimes radical ideas about college tennis, entertain our best of the decade stuff, and of course, talk about a sport that we all love and want to see grow so much. Uh, as I mentioned, Chris and I have been here in Ann Arbor at the Varsity Tennis Center covering the Ann Arbor Challenger this week. We'll be doing play-by-play all week long, and we see it as a great intersection between some of the most college, uh, talented college tennis players in action here. Uh, John McNally still in the main draw. Of course, Brandon Nakashima just out of college tennis, but still alive here. Guys like J.C. Aragoni as well. Uh, we see having success in the doubles, Evan King and Hunter Reese, two former uh, All-American college tennis players they're the number one seeds they got to win tonight to advance to the quarterfinals Uh, it's really good tennis here in Ann Arbor and I guess Chris you know as we look through the rest of the week as you look back on this interview with coach Bresky it speaks to that these are the personalities leading our sport it's why I think college tennis is in such good hands and why I think the level of the game keeps improving as we go along well clearly coach Bresky can coach right we've seen what he can do and he can coach but to your point yeah he's a a great personality and it's the kind of guys that that make college tennis what it is and I think that you know there were there were so many things that happened in in this interview that we did that that were that were just a lot of fun to me every everything from you know having to ask him straight up about about Borna and then asking him about the Ian Dempster, Dempster situation and finding out that the guy missed indoors for, for Valentine's date. Day. Yeah, I mean, sure. come on. I, I feel mean, like at that point he was like, you don't have to come back. If yeah. that's where we're at, just, just yeah. don't come back. And, and then, you know, and, and then the underhanded shot at Boland and oh. Jensen No, Brooksby I appreciate and, we learned I mean, if you're a good player, you make the second round of the U.S. Open, you shouldn't go to college. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we learned from this. We yeah. finally have a litmus test. But, uh, and, the, and then the fact that, you know, He's he's willing to he's willing to play a point for the uh, for the serve. I mean, yeah. what what else could you ask? For? I promise you will see that on the Crack Rackets Twitter feed when it happens between him and Pedroso. Something I know we're both excited for. Another thing we're so excited for here at Crack Rackets, our new partnership with Aerobar, of course, the tennis specific energy bar, recently founded. Uh, people like James Blake, Andy Roddick buying into it because it is your energy bar to turn to to properly fuel yourself as a tennis player. It's never going to melt in your bag. You're going to eat and you're going to be like, damn, did I just eat seven bananas? Because this clearly has more potassium than one. And it's a product I not only look good, feel good, taste good, and it's going to make you look good, feel good, play good. And that's what it's all about in the tennis world. So go give that product a look. And of course, if you want 30% off, use our promo code CRACKED30. That's C-R-A-C-K-E-D-3-0. Get yourself a 30% discount off of your first shipment. Chris, again, I'm going to be seeing a lot of you this week because we're going to be here throughout the rest of the time doing these night calls for the play-by-play, hopefully doing the entirety of the quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals as well. Any final thoughts before we wrap tonight on this Wake Forest team? No, I think it's. Uh, it, I'm. I'm excited to see what what they've got. Obviously, we're all. You know, we'll wait with bated breath to see whether uh, Borna ever shows up. I don't think so. But, uh, but you know, it's a lot of guys on the team, and we and two really good freshmen to look at. So I'm. I'm anxious to see kind of how they get growing with kickoff and in the in ACC play. Absolutely. And again, for the companioning mini break podcast where Matt Sikowiak, Chris, and I talk about this Wake Forest team, that'll be out tomorrow on your mini break podcast feed for all of our podcasts. Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews, this one, uh, which is this podcast, the Mini Break Podcast, you can find on our website, CrackedRackets.com. The more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, it's at Cracked Rackets. Always give a shout-out at the end to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, who have 
a fuck of an editing job to do always, but in particular, so when we're sending him these podcasts at 10.49, 11.30 at night, like we will be all week long, so shout out to them. But for my wonderful co-host, Chris Heliors, for our fantastic guest, Wake Forest men's tennis head coach, Tony Bresky, for our super producers, Max Flinger and Daniel Westhoff, and from our entire teams at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. One team to go. We'll be talking to men's, uh, Texas men's tennis head coach, Bruce Burke, at the start of next week. We hope to see you all there, but for now, enjoy your week of tennis.